Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're going to be continuing our series on faith and in Hebrews chapter 11. Yesterday we didn't quite get through all of verse 4, all that I wanted to look at. And so we're going to continue looking at verse 4. and We're going to see how faith affects your legacy as we continue to look at the life of Abel. And of course, this is something that is extremely important because everybody should want to leave a good legacy. And that means you should want to leave the legacy that God wants you to leave behind. And that means you need to apply faith. Let your faith affect your legacy just as Abel did. But before we get into that, we're going to read James chapter 5, continuing our scripture reading through James. And of course, the reason we're doing this is because we want to have a shout of grace. I want you to complete the work that God gave you to do. And that means you need to get connected to God and you need to get connected to God's word. So let's read James chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and you will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up a treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud— Cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure, in luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just, and he does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the patient fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient, establishing your hearts for the coming of the Lord, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from error of of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. 
All right, we're going to continue now with Abel and, of course, seeing how faith affects our legacy. And so we're going to be reading Hebrews 11, verse 1, and then I'm going to skip to verse 4. We need to read verse 1 so that we can stay reminded of the biblical definition, the biblical foundation of faith, because it's this kind of faith that affects your legacy. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Now, of course, this morning here, we're going to be focusing in on, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Now, of course, this is speaking of that more excellent sacrifice that Abel gave, and we do need to remember how faith, first of all, affected Abel's worship, and I hope that faith affects your worship, that you're going to be worshiping God in the way that he calls you to worship God, that you're going to be giving of your first fruits, and of course, as well, that when you do that, you're going to obtain a much better witness than if you don't, than those who don't. And of course, you need to worship with faith, having the right attitude as well, um, which is seen in the, the other side of it, that Cain did not have a right attitude. But faith doesn't just affect our worship, faith also affects our legacy. See, Abel, he still speaks today. And I think this is interesting because if you go and you talk to people who are unsaved, they didn't grow up in a Christian home, uh, and they, they really don't know much about Christianity, you can still reference Cain and Abel, in America at least. And when you reference Cain and Abel, what happens? They know who you're talking about. They know the story of Cain and Abel. They know that Abel still speaks today. Though he is dead, he still speaks. And this is something that you need to realize. You will still speak after you're dead. You will still speak after you're dead. You will leave a legacy. The question is, what will your legacy be? That's really the question. Will it be something that impacts people positively? Will it be something that continues to build the kingdom of God even after you are gone? Or will it be something that hinders the work of God? Will it be something that is looked down upon? Or will it be something that just doesn't really matter that much in the grand eternal scheme of things? You know, sometimes we look back and we think on people And they did leave a legacy, but their legacy was on something kind of irrelevant. Maybe it was, oh man, they were just, I I remember how they were a sports fan. And you know, I I love this sports team because they love that sports team and I love them. You know, I mean, that's a legacy. It's good memories, but is that really the legacy that we want to leave behind? I love sports. I really do. But I think the legacy that we want to leave behind is, man, they love Jesus Christ. And that led me to love Jesus Christ all the more. See, death is never the last word in the life of a person. When a man leaves this world, whether he be righteous or whether he be unrighteous, he still speaks with the memory of his life. And of course, if you leave something that was not good, it'll spread like 
cancer and poison, and it will affect generation to generation to generation if it's not corrected. If there's not somebody in that generation who stops and says, enough, I'm going to choose to live a life of faith. But if it is somebody who's a righteous man, somebody like Abel, it leaves a wonderful perfume and fragrance of a life that goes out and it just brings a sweet smelling aroma when you stop and you think about the life of that person. But what does Abel tell us? What does Abel tell us? It's not just that he left the legacy, but what does Abel tell us? Well, first of all, Abel tells us that our faith affects our worship, just like what we looked at yesterday. Our faith affects our worship. That's something that Abel left behind for us, that we can go and see, man, Abel took of the first of the flock. Man, Abel came and he worshiped in faith. He came and gave a blood sacrifice in the way that God prescribed. He was within the order that God set. Man, Abel must have had a good attitude because God didn't come and have to correct Abel. Okay, so that still speaks. I need to have a good attitude. I need to give of my first fruits or my first flock, and I need to worship God in the order that he prescribes and he sets for us. But also, he's a voice telling us that we can only please God through faith. We're going to see this here in a few days, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Abel's sacrifice pleased God, and a big part of it wasn't just because it, it, it was of God's prescription, but it was because Abel believed God in his prescription. It wasn't so much the elements, although these elements were very important because they did point to Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice, and, and they did give the, the, the weight of, of what sin ultimately costs, and it requires a blood sacrifice. In Hebrews 9.22, it says, according to the law, almost all things are purified by the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or forgiveness of sins. But it was this attitude of faith of going and saying, I see the promises of God, and they are a title or a deed to me, so therefore I'm going to lay hold of the promises of God, and I'm going to have evidences in my life that shows that I truly believed what God said. That's well-pleasing to God. You know, no matter what we do in life, no matter how religious or good-natured or fruitful it seems to be, God is pleased with our faith. If we, if we don't have faith, we can go through all of the rituals, all of the religious stuff, and God's not going to be pleased with it. We must come believing God, believing Him at His Word, 100% holding on to that and having those evidences that follow that belief. Abel is a voice that cries out and tells us that we must believe and obey God even above what we could reason. Remember, Cain believed that there was a God. There was no doubt Cain knew that there was a God. It wasn't when God came and spoke to him that Cain went and, and was like, whoa, what's going on? Who's this? What is this voice? It wasn't that at all. Cain believed that there was a God, but he didn't place his life in God's hands. He didn't think that God really knew the way. In fact, God gave him a warning. He said, look, sin is at your door. You either rule over it because, or it'll rule over you. Its desire is for you. And what did Cain do? Well, his response was to go out and to kill his brother Abel. 
He didn't rule over it. Sin ruled over him, and he paid a grave consequence because of that. But Abel, on the other hand, he trusted God, and he trusted in who God is, and this caused evidences in his life. This is a, a, this is a story. This is something that Abel's life continues to ring out and say. But the question comes, what will your legacy be? Will it be one of faith? Now, of course, if it's going to be one of faith, I, I, I do need to say it needs to start in salvation. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you can't live a life of faith. You have to go through the door. And of course, Jesus Christ is the door, it tells us in John chapter 10. And in John chapter 14, it says that, or Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you've not believed in Jesus Christ, and by that I mean this biblical belief, which means that repentance is involved, that you're turning away from your sin, that there's real evidences in your life, that it really has changed your life when you believe in him, well, then you'll be saved. But if you, if you haven't done that, then you can't leave a legacy of faith. It doesn't matter how much you'd want to. You must start at the beginning. You must start at the beginning. But if you want to leave a legacy of faith, it's not good enough that you just accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. But it also means that you need to have a lifestyle of faith. And some simple things here, maybe there's some people who are just missing some of the simple things. And so let me go ahead and point those out. The next step after salvation is really to be baptized. It's really to be baptized. Now, being baptized is something that is, is really important to go and to look at because it's the public declaration of going and saying, I'm with Jesus. And on top of that, it also is simple obedience. So it starts to give some evidences in your life, starts to give some evidences in your life saying, look, I'm recognizing that I'm going to be recognized with Jesus Christ. I'm on his team and I want to be recognized with his death, burial and resurrection. Sorry, sprinklers, it doesn't work. That's not biblical baptism. Yeah, you know, Jesus came up out of the water, would have taken a lot of sprinkles to get that. The Ethiopian eunuch went down into the water. All the examples we get in Scripture are, are not of being sprinkled. It's of actually going and being immersed. And this is important because the question is, is, is the Bible just a description of what happened or is it a prescription for your life? Well, if it's going to have any authority in your life, you better say it's a prescription, Right. It's telling you what you ought to do, not just a description of historical facts. So therefore, if you can't obey in simple things like how to baptize somebody, well, how can you obey in something that's big? Just a challenge out there. I know that might tick off some, some good brothers in Christ, but it's a place where they might need to be ticked off. But then it doesn't stop there. If you want to leave a legacy of faith, you also need to start serving in faith. You need to start serving in faith and worshiping in faith. You know, have you found a place in your local church that you're serving? Have you really gone and found ministries that you're serving in, found a calling in God's life or, or in, in your life that God has given you? You need to find that. You need to find that. You, and it, it, here's the thing. There are so many people who, who kind of give up. 
And number one, you give up way too easy. But the second thing is, is that you're not walking in faith if you give up because Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 tell us that you're not saved by works. You're saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. But then in verse 10, it tells us that, that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. God has something for you to do if you have been saved. And so if you give up before you find that thing, you're not walking in faith, which means you're not going to leave a legacy of faith. You might need to get down on your knees and you might need to pray about it. You might need to go and to ask somebody, hey, can you help me find what God's purpose is for my life? And you might also just need to wait because there are times, there are seasons in your life when you're getting poured into There are seasons in your life when you're pouring out of, and there are seasons in your life when you're resting, and there are seasons of your life when you're being called to go and to do this or to do that. But it's important that you realize God has something for you to do. He has something for you to do, and you need to walk in these good works. So the question is, will you choose to leave a legacy of faith? If you live your life and and you apply faith moment by moment, day by day, to walk in faith, that you see God's promises, which means you're looking for God's promises, you go and you lay hold of them and claim them and believe them in your life, and then you have evidences, even if you may not have the promise right then and there. Just remember, when I went and bought that sport track, what happened? I had the title, but they went and they filled it up with gas or you know took it to a car wash or something like that. I couldn't see the car, but I wasn't worried a bit because I knew I had the title, so it was mine. That's God's promises in our life. That's how we should respond to God's promises, what he says. We go and we might not actually see them with our eyes, but we know we have them. They're ours because God gave them to us, and so therefore we ought to act like we have them, which means we walk in obedience. We walk with real evidences in our life. Real faith has real evidences. But if you live your life in that way, what's going to happen? Well, you're not going to be able to stop it. Your legacy is going to be impacted. It's going to be affected It's going to be affected, and you're going to leave a legacy of faith. People are going to look back, and they're going to say, wow, that person walked by faith. But if you choose not to live that way, if you choose to not live with faith, it's also going to impact your legacy. See, a lack of faith also affects your life. And if you choose to have a lack of faith, well, those who come after you are at best not going to have the right response to your life, or, or maybe not the right response, but the, the, the desired response to your life. And at worst, they're going to look back and realize, man, your life was pretty empty, vain, and worthless. And don't we want those who come after us to remember us, to see our life, to see what we lived, and to be impacted by how we live? How cool would it be 
if you are still speaking for Christ a hundred years after you die. That would be awesome. The only way that's going to happen, though, is if you do what Abel did, and that is live by faith. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, and 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Sometimes he leaves us waiting for his hand to move. But even in darkness, we hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome. So that war you've been fighting will end in God's timing. Sing like the battle's been won. Then you feel it, the song that is rising. Then you can't help but let it out. If you're trusting in